We are gonna be in 1 Peter this morning, and we're also going to be in Matthew 14, 1 Peter 2, Matthew 14. If you wanna follow along in your Bible, you could uh, go over to Matthew 14, put your finger in there, and then go over to 1 Peter 2. All right, during the civil rights movement of the uh, 1950s and the 1960s, there were groups of people who went all throughout uh, the South uh, registering people to vote. And one of these groups came upon a a, a, uh, sharecropping village of families. And these... Um, these people worked the land, but for all practical purposes, they were in slavery. They had come across this, this uh, group of, of, of sharecroppers who, uh, they were illiterate. They really were ignorant to any outside goings on. They didn't know what was going on in the world. Most of them had never traveled more than just a couple of miles beyond the farm that they, that they worked. And in fact, they weren't even being paid in U.S. currency. When they harvested their crops and they sold them to the man that owned the land, the man was not paying them in, in U.S. dollars. The group actually showed these these farmers a a dollar bill, and they had never seen one. The man was paying them with scrap metal that he had stamped into a star shape. And the only place that they could spend this homemade currency was in the little star door that he had set up right there on the farm. This is all that they knew. So here are people living in America. Home of the free, right? But they were in bondage. They were being kept in bondage by an enemy. And you know, when I first read this story, I, I honestly, when I, the first time I read it, I cried. How can somebody be that cruel to another human being? And then after that, I got angry. And you know what I was angry about? Because somebody had to know what was going on there. Somebody knew about it. And my question was, Why had somebody not spoken up? Why had somebody not said something? How could they allow somebody to continue to live in bondage when all we had to do was speak up? Thank you. And as shocking as as that is, and that, that is shocking, I read another article recently that said that there are actually people that live in the United States of America, a country built on Judeo-Christian values that have never 
heard the message of Jesus. They've never heard about Jesus. People living in this country have never heard about Jesus. And what might be even more shocking, people that have come into a relationship with Jesus, living in such a way that they feel like they have to purchase or pay for things that Jesus gives freely. Like acceptance and forgiveness. And we probably know some of these people. But the question is, are we going to be like those who knew about the farmers that were being mistreated and did nothing about it? Or are we going to be like the civil rights workers who risk their own freedom and their own lives to make sure that other people could be free? Going to be one of those messages. <laughs> We're starting a new lesson series this morning called Second Chance People. And every person on this planet needs a second chance. Everybody needs a second chance. It may be a second chance spiritually, but it may also be a, a second chance with just freedom. It may be a second chance with family. It may be a second chance in relationships, but we need second chances because as human beings, we're good at messing things up. But thank God, Jesus came so we could have second chances. The problem is so many people don't know the good news. They may have heard about Jesus. They may even be in a relationship with Jesus. But life has just sucker punched them. Something's going on. Something has, has got them bound. They're in a storm and they can't find their way out. But as true believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to love enough to not be silent. Well, the title of my, my lesson this morning is We Can't Be Silent. Martin Luther King Jr. said, In the end, it will not be the words of our enemies that we remember, but the silence of our friends. We can't be silent. Did you find 1 Peter 2? In 1 Peter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, So put away all malice. Put away all malice. The Greek word there is kakos. If you were engaged in the, the last uh, lesson series we did when we started it off, I was talking about kakos. Kakos uh, is very close to kaka. Okay, you got that? One is, is more physical and the other is more spiritual. Okay, but we are all at times full of poop. All right? So put away all malice. Put away all kakos. My definition of, of kakos is wrong thinking and 
and wrong feelings that cause wrong actions, okay? So we need to put away all wrong thinking and all wrong feeling that cause wrong actions and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Guess what? There's an expectation for us to grow up. Grow up in our relationship with God. Grow up in who we are through Christ Jesus. God expects us to grow up. Now, verse 4 says, You're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Jesus is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Jesus is the foundation of everything that we do, okay? He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, take this little finger, put it right in the middle of your chest. Now I know what it feels like, Sam, when you say, uh, raise your hand. (laughs) Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about when he says you? Talking about me right? He's talking about me. So you, you, you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. Understand that God is building something and he's using us. We are the bricks in the mortar, but we're living stones alive, building this temple of God, building this great place of worship for God. What's more, You're holy priest. Who's a holy priest? You. Jesus is the foundation of everything. Everything. But now God is building us up as well to be his temple and to be his priests. Now look at verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race. A chosen race that has nothing to do with ethnicity, that has everything to do with you are a chosen group of people. A royal priesthood. You know, that's almost an oxymoron because in the Old Testament, the king and the priest, they were separate. But in the New Testament, God has brought the king and the priest together. Jesus is our king, and he is our high priest. But you are a a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. God thinks a lot about you, doesn't he? He's invested a lot in you, right? Do you believe what I'm saying? That we are a holy nation? That we are a royal priesthood? Do you believe this? Yes. Do you really believe it? Yes. But for what reason? That sounds good when we're talking about, ooh, look who I am in Christ. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. Good for me. Good for me. But look at the last part of the scripture there, 1 Peter 2, 9. The last part of the scripture says that we are all these things that you, now, who's he talking about? Me. 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Proclaim, the word proclaim there means to tell out or tell forth, to declare abroad, to make known by praising or proclaiming. So let me break this down for you. You are saved. You are called out of darkness. You are transformed into a people of his own possession so you can tell out, declare abroad, and make known by praising or proclaiming the greatness of our God. So in other words, our relationship with God will not allow us to be silent. Will not allow us to be silent. All right. Now let's flip over to Matthew chapter 14. So that was about a 15-minute introduction. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 15. Now let me, let me just give you the, the, the background here. This is a very familiar story. This is when Jesus is about to feed the 5,000, okay? So people have come from all over the place out to the middle of nowhere where Jesus has been preaching and teaching, Okay? So in verse 15, it says, Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. So real quickly, I want to show you a few things that we must realize as we declare the goodness of this God of second chances, okay? First thing, it just might be inconvenient. You hear me? Being who God has called us to be and doing the things that God has called us to do just might be inconvenient at times. Not all ministry fits into a neat package. And lest you question everybody sitting in this room who is in a relationship with Jesus Christ is called to ministry. You have a ministry. You have a purpose. You have a plan and a part to play in the building of the kingdom of God. You should be much more excited about it. But not all ministry fits into a neat package. Why? Because people are messy. People have issues. You got issues. The scripture, first thing it says, that it was a desolate place. A desolate place. Now, this may be physically desolate. The Lord may send you someplace nobody else wants to go to talk to, other, to, talk to people that nobody else wants to talk to. It may be a spiritually desolate place. You know, there are people that have everything looking good on the outside, but on the inside, they're a mess. It's desolate on the inside, and it is inconvenient sometimes to minister to people, especially when it's late in the day, because ministry is not a nine-to-five job. We don't get to clock out. I clock in at nine. I'm a Jesus person. Five o'clock, I'm clocking out. It doesn't work that way. Because people have issues 24-7, right? Now, adults, 
you guys are pretty good. But when I was the youth pastor of this church, teenagers do not care what time it is. If they need you, if they need something, if they have a question, just something has popped into their head. I remember getting a phone call one night and I picked it up. I thought somebody was in trouble and somebody said, yeah, I was reading here in the Bible and I was just wondering what you thought about it. I went, it's 3.30 in the morning. Oh, is it really that late? <laughs> we'll talk about this later. <laughs> but the thing was they felt comfortable enough to do it. And we've got to understand that people need things at certain times. Now, I'm not saying that there, there are never boundaries. We have boundaries. You know, if, if somebody's been wallowing around in something for a long, long time, and it's been building up, it's been building up, it's been building up, and they suddenly want to talk about it at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night, I might say, hey, let's schedule a time. But there are also other times where you need to dive into it. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. What is God saying? Because if somebody has finally come to the place that they're willing to admit they've got a problem and something is going on in their lives, I don't want to put them off for three or four days and then the enemy talk them out of it. So it's not always convenient. It says there were crowds. You're never going to run out of people who need a second chance. You may have just ministered to one person and then the next person shows up. But we never run out of chances. And look at this. The disciples told Jesus to send them away so they could buy food for themselves. It's really easy to say, that's not my responsibility. It's real easy to, to look at somebody going through something and say, that's not my responsibility. It's real easy to drive by a farm where uh, a man is treating a whole, a whole village of people like they're slaves and say, that's not my responsibility. It's inconvenient to get involved. It's inconvenient when people need things. It's inconvenient when you're sitting down to dinner and people start calling. It's inconvenient, but we can't be silent. Think about your own life and own struggles. Have you always been conveniently in need? I will tell you right now that I am an inconvenient second chance person. Inconvenient. I have my issues and my woundedness and the turmoil in my own soul at times shows up at inconvenient times. But when you have people around you that are willing to be inconvenienced for you. And I say this, that if, if this man had not been willing to be inconvenienced for me, if this man had not been willing to, to shepherd a goat, <laughs> if this man had not been willing to, to go the extra mile when I was being inconvenienced, well, I wouldn't be standing here this morning, would I? But the heart of God says, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's inconvenient, I'll step into it. 
Now look at verse 16. So the disciples have said, get rid of them. They're not our responsibility. We don't want to deal with them. But Jesus said, they need not go. They need not go. You give them something to eat. And they said, but we only have five loaves and two fishes. So here's the the, the second thing that the God of second chances wants you to know about ministering to people. You have enough to feed them. You already have enough to feed them. God would not put you in the situation if he didn't have, uh, if he didn't know that he'd already brought you to a place where you could feed them. He has faith in you. Sometimes he has more faith in us than we have in him. There will always be an excuse not to declare his goodness if we're looking for it. Think about it. Moses said, I'm the wrong person. I'm the wrong person to to lead Israel. I'm the wrong person because I don't speak very well. And God said to him, I'll take that staff that you've been holding in your hand for the last 40 years and I'll show my power through that staff. God knew he already had what he needed. Gideon said, hey, I'm not the right, I'm not the right guy. I am the least important person from the least important family. You got it wrong. Go find somebody else. And God is saying that I'll use you and 200 guys to destroy a whole army if you'll just be obedient. Sometimes we say things like, I'm just not bold enough to speak up. But you know what God says? He says the righteous are bold as a lion. And have we settled the fact who's righteous? If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it says that we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. The righteous are bold as a lion. Proverbs 28. Sometimes we say, well, I'm just not sure what to say. You ever been there? I'm just not sure what to say. And God says, don't worry about what you're to say because in that moment, I will give you what to say. Matthew chapter 10, open your mouth. But we don't know what to do. God says, I'll tell you what to do. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Practically. Whatever you do, just do it. Whatever your gifting is, your bent is, just do it. Love the unloved, heal the brokenhearted, feed. Feed the spiritually hungry or even feed the physically hungry. You know, if you meet somebody's physical need, they're they're a whole lot more open to hear what you have to say about God. Whatever you do, you're prepared and equipped to do it. But the most powerful thing that you can do is tell your Jesus story. Just tell your Jesus story. When Lisa and I were the, the, the junior high ministers of New Covenant Church way back in the day, 
or one of our guys back there. When we were ministering to the, the junior high kids, we even taught them back then really what I'm teaching you right now. Ask God to give you an opportunity and you'll recognize the moment that the opportunity is there. And when you recognize it, just tell Jesus stories. Because they would say, well, I don't know the Bible. Tell a Jesus story. Just tell a Jesus story. And one Wednesday night, this, this girl came running into our classroom and she was going, I told Jesus stories. I told Jesus stories. And what happened? She was an eighth grader. And for some reason, she had to be over at the high school that afternoon. And as school was letting out, she somehow got into a conversation with a foreign exchange student. This guy was from England. And she asked him, well, what do you think about America? What do you think about Texas? And he said, well, I really, really like it, but everybody seems to be, you know, a, a lot more religious than we are back home. He goes, why is that? And she said, all I could hear was you saying, tell Jesus stories. And she said, and I couldn't think of anything, so I told him your Jesus story. <laughs> and it unlocked this guy's heart. And he said, I want to know more about this. Well, this, this girl happened to know that there was a teacher there on campus who was a believer, and she took this guy into that, that lady's classroom. After school, they shut the door, and the guy got saved because somebody was willing to not be silent. Tell a Jesus story. And here's my last thing. When we do our part, God does his part. In verse 19 there in Matthew 14, says, then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. This is Jesus. He ordered them to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. Remember this all started with Jesus saying, you feed them. You feed them. But Jesus is the one that actually did the miracle. You see that? Because they were obedient, a miracle happened. Because they were willing to say, hey, uh, Jesus said, sit down, sit down. Everybody sit down. He's going to feed y'all. You know, in their heads, they're going, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to work. And those same thoughts come to us. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what I'm going to do. I really don't know what I'm saying. But somehow, in the middle of all of our stuff, Jesus shows up. Jesus did the miracle. We don't have to make it happen. We just have to be obedient. When we give what we have, others will be fed and satisfied. But if we keep our mouth shut, people will go hungry. Now I want to end by telling you about a second chance person that I, I love and respect a lot. Happens to be in this room right now. His name's Eric Walbrook. If you don't know Eric's story, you need to, to sit with Eric and hear his story because it is so saturated in who God really is. 
Eric is a, a, a highly educated man. He made a lot of money. He had a lot of the things that the world would say makes you look successful. But you know what he also had? Mess. Mess. Addictions. Came to a place in his life where he lost so much because of those addictions that he thought life wasn't even worth living, so he tried to kill himself. But God had another plan. God looked down and said, that's a second chance person. And somehow, through, through, through the grace and the sovereignty of God, Eric wound up in Tyler, Texas, doing a, a rehab discipleship program and just happened to show up at New Covenant Church. And although he had been in church in his life before, and although he, he had been around Christians before, through that discipleship program and through the church, he began to see himself not as the same person. He began to realize the truth of uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that he was a new creation in Christ Jesus. All that other stuff had passed away. And he graduated clean and sober. And you know, he could have gone back into the workforce. Like I said, he's an educated man. He could have made some of that, that money and that stuff that he had lost. He could have gone back and said, okay, now I'm going to get it and I'm going to handle it right this time. But that's not what he did. He said, I recognize that I'm a second chance person. God has given me a second chance at this. And now he spends his days looking for other second chance people. He spends his days hanging out with people that others wouldn't give the time of day to. Homeless people, addicts. He takes Bibles to them. He meets their physical needs. He feeds them. He clothes them. He has Bible studies. And three times a week, he's up here at this church leading an Alcoholics Anonymous group. That's what our second chance is supposed to look like. Eric, I know you're hiding back there, but I honor you, buddy. I honor you. Because Eric got a hold of the fact that once you have had that second chance, that you proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness. So what do I want you to know? You are a royal priesthood. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, you are already called into that place of being a royal priest. And the reason is so you can go and declare abroad the good news of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel empowered to fulfill your God-given destiny. There are dreams in your heart that God wants to bring to pass. And sometimes we sit on them. 
sometimes we put them up on a shelf and they get kind of dusty. But God's wanting to pull those back down. Sometimes we need a, a, a second chance just with my own calling. With my own dreams. With my own heart. I need a second chance. What do I want you to do? Obviously, I want you to refuse to be silent. I want you to ask the Lord to give you opportunities to make him known by proclaiming his goodness. Are you willing to do that this morning? Are you willing to say, Lord, if you open the door, I'll step through it. I still don't necessarily know what I'm going to say. I don't necessarily know how I'm supposed to do it. But in that moment, Lord, if nothing else, I will just tell a Jesus story. Because there is somebody that needs what you have. Do you understand that? You're going to hear somebody say, oh, well, you know, I'm going through this. And you're going to go, huh, I went through that. And God brought me through. Let me tell you my Jesus story. And I'm being really, really honest about this this morning, okay? I had some young ladies pray over us this week. And I asked them, because one of the girls has such a heart of evangelism, I said, I want you just to pray for the heart of evangelism to just, just break forth in New Covenant. Yes. And because I love telling you about who you are in Christ. I love watching you get free. But we're not set free just so we can sit back and go, look how free I am. We're set free so we can help others get free. So I'm going to ask you, and I don't want you, I, I don't want you to respond I don't want you to respond. If, if something's not tugging at your heart, if you're going, that's just not me right now, that's okay. God will get you next time. All right? And, and I really, really mean that. But if you've been listening to something that I'm saying and you're going, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I may not have been as bold as I should have been in certain situations, but Lord, with you, I'm as bold as a lion. And if you're willing to say... If you're willing to say, Lord, if you open the door, I'll step through it. That's all we can do. That's all we can do, all right? I know some of the evangelists sitting out there going, no, you just kicked the door open. But I'm talking about for the rest of us. If God opens the door, will you step through it? And if you're willing to say yes to that, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. Just stand up and say, yeah, if, if it happens, I will. I will. I will. Thank you. Thank you. And please remember, I'm not asking everybody to stand up. You do not have to stand up. It might not be your time. And that's okay. That's okay. We don't preach condemnation and shame around here. We're too busy getting people free from that. Okay? But if you're standing right now, you're saying, Lord, if you open the door, I'll walk through it. I'll walk through it. And I want us just to pray. We're making a vow to the Lord. Okay? We're making a vow to the Lord. You give me opportunity, and I won't be silent. Okay? We're all agreeing, right? Amen. Anybody want to sit back down real quick? 
Just making sure. I'm just making sure. Because the Bible says don't make a vow to the Lord and don't keep it. (laughs) Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. You see your people here. You see your people here. Lord, and they're saying that if the opportunity is there, if you give them opportunity, that they will step through it. So Lord, I'm asking for every person that is standing up here this morning, Lord, that you will pair them up with somebody that needs to hear their Jesus story. Lord, do what only you can do. I declare that, that they will be led by the Holy Spirit. They'll be so aware when the, when the situation arises, they will be so aware of what's going on and they will immediately step into it. So Lord, for every person that is standing this morning, we claim salvation, we claim deliverance, and we claim healing for people. For people, for people, Lord, you see them. You see them. We declare this many salvations, this, this many people being yeah. set free yes. in Jesus' name because that's what you're about, Lord. That's what you're about. That's what you're about. So, Lord, we thank you right now. 